Well, I am so thankful that you're here today, and uh, I'm pumped about next week, I have to tell you. Uh, we are going to have a special guest speaker, uh, and uh, in our church, in the Church of the Nazarene, we have a thing uh, called General Superintendents. There are six of those that are over our denomination, not one, but six, and uh, those are kind of elected positions, and uh, amazing communicator, uh, Dr. David Busick, he's going to be in, uh, here next week, he'll be sharing with us, and uh, it's kind of a big deal, I have to tell you, and so invite folks to come, please, and uh, excited about what he's going to share and, and how he's going to break open the, the Word of God. Question for you. Now, I want, to write, I want you to write down, if you have a pencil or a pen or something, uh, maybe write down some thoughts that come to mind. What words come to mind when you think of Christian? When you think of a Christian, what words just, just kind of pop into your mind? Maybe characteristics of, just take a second, you can write those down. If you want to whisper to your, your neighbor, you can do that. But just write down some words and, and things that come to mind when you think of, of, of a Christian. Now, I, I've been kind of pondering this uh, this week a little bit, and I'm going to kind of share along the way as we go, and, and maybe some of ours will look the same. Maybe they'll be a little different, uh, but we are starting a new series uh, for this month of November. We're going to be in the book of 1 Peter, and so if you have a Bible, grab that. You can start to look for where that is. Uh, it's toward the very back of the book, and uh, we're going to be diving into 1 Peter in the next uh, three or four weeks to see what God has for us there. Now, it's important when you jump into God's Word. Some people, you know, it, 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 you can just kind of grab a verse, and, and, and that can be good and encouraging for a day, or grab a passage. But it, it's good for us as Christ followers to kind of dig into God's Word, okay, and to, to really get into it. Now, to do that, I think we need to put on our, our det detective hats today. Now, I don't know if you are uh, much of a detective fan. There's some famous ones out there. Who comes to mind uh, with that? Uh, we think of maybe Angela Lansbury uh, from the show Murder, She Wrote, back in the, I think it was the 80s that was there. Maybe when you think detective, you think uh, Tom Selleck. Uh, and uh, we could not show his, I mean, the guy wore some shorty shorts back in the day. I don't know if you remember that, but he was super cool. Uh, or maybe you think of these guys when you think of detectives. Uh, or maybe this guy right here, uh, the famous pet detective uh, there. Uh, I, when I think of, of the best detectives, I think of, of Sherlock Holmes, all right? Just able to uh, just solve mysteries out of nowhere. I love the, 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 the new rendition of it. And, and for us to put our detective hats on today, we really have to, to kind of ask some good questions because to, to find out the context of something is super important. And a lot of times we take things out of context. You just grab one little thing instead of seeing the big picture of what's being said or communicated, that, that kind of thing. Maybe you've seen some of these examples on the internet uh, where you have, hey, look at my awesome car. But when you look at the big picture, uh, it's not maybe as cool. Uh, the Facebook Live, this is just an example, you know, just a small picture of, of life. Or maybe even this, ooh, scary picture here of, I hate sharks, by the way, just throwing that in there, but when you look at the big picture, uh, not so scary, more of an awe, yeah, uh, instead of fear. So we want to look at the, the context, we want the big picture of what First Peter is all about. So to do that, we put on our detective hats, we start to ask some good questions, some, some who, when, where, how kind of questions. You remember those from school, right? So the first one is, if you turn to First Peter, 
the first chapter, the, the first question you have to ask when you, you come to a book is who? Who is writing? Now, a lot of you guys have, uh, if you look in your Bible, if you have one, uh, you know, an actual a, a physical Bible with you, they have this little section in the front that's great. It gives you like the introduction to a book. I just encourage you to read those things. Sometimes you find out things, you're like, I never knew that. I love those moments. You're like, I had no clue. And so the first thing we find out is who wrote this book? It, and it, it's, I'm going to be honest, kind of obvious on this one. The very first thing it says is, this letter is from Peter. Mystery solved. Uh, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So Peter writes it. We know who he is. He was a, a disciple. He was an apostle. Now, when they refer to apostle, they mean people that actually saw Jesus post-resurrection. He experienced Christ after he, he rose from the grave. Now, also a good question to ask when you're looking at something is, what kind of literature is it? You know, throughout the Bible, there's poetry, there's prophecy, there's gospels. This is a letter. Peter is writing a letter to someone. So who is the someone? We, we keep reading. I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the province of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Bithynia. So that's the, the who there. Now, what I do in my Bible is I like to underline things. So I invite you today, if you have a Bible, you can highlight on your phone. Highlight God's chosen people and then this word foreigners. He's writing to, to foreigners in the province of, of, of these different places. Now, here's a fun tip, okay? If you're digging, if you're being a good detective today, something that's good to do, there are various translations of, of Bible. NIV, NLT, uh, somebody might have a King James or an NRSV, there's, or the message paraphrase. There's all kinds of different translations of the Bible. Now, if you have a second, just look at various translations and they start to make things kind of come alive and maybe give you some idea of what he's trying to communicate. Now, the word that jumped to me in this passage was this word, foreigners, okay? Now, if you look at other passages, maybe some of you might have this word, exiles, sojourners. And then the one that really jumped out is this, this word, aliens. I am writing to aliens. Now, okay, I, I, I realize that, that some of you in this room have an affection for sci-fi things, okay? Like, you're like way over here on the 10 scale. Some of you are like, as soon as you hear sci-fi, you're out. I'm out. I told a friend of mine about, you've got to see Stranger Things on Netflix. And he was like, is it sci-fi? Eh, I don't want anything to do with that. All right? Have you seen Stranger Things, by the way? It's a crazy show. Uh, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle of the sci-fi range. How many are like, you would go to like a Star Trek convention? If, you, if that's you, just, just do this up in the, the, you know, this is from, this is Vulcan, Star Okay, thought we'd be a little bit more involved. You can interact. There we go. Thank you. If you can do this move right here, please just hold it up in the air. All right. I can tell some of you practice, some of you haven't. All right. Now, when you think of aliens, maybe some things pop into your mind. Maybe like this guy right here pops into your mind. Uh, or maybe this guy right here. I never actually saw this show, uh, but I know there was something that to do with Nanu Nanu involved. I don't know what that means. Uh, I hope it's clean. Uh, nanu, nanu. Uh, or maybe you think, you think of maybe E.T. Uh, that is from my generation there, as we think of aliens. Now, what he's going for is this picture of these are people that really are out of place. They're, they're not in their home. 
And as he says, these foreigners and aliens and, and strangers. And so he's trying to communicate that I am writing to people that are not at where they're, they're from or they're not at home. And the first thing that I wrote down as I was thinking about, you know, what are Christians? Christians are different. I don't know if you've picked that up, but Christians, we are different. We're kind of weird, all right, comparatively, all right? We are strange, different people in the world, and it should be obvious to others that we are different. Like, if an alien, the green kind of alien, popped into this room today, uh, E.T. walked down the, the aisle, not in an elephant costume, not that's going to happen today, okay? It's not going to happen. Sorry about anyone with peanut allergies. Uh, that's not going to happen. But if it did, what would happen? We would immediately stop everything. Jaws would drop. I mean, we would all, it would, we would take notice. But somewhere along the way in history, from Peter to us, we've kind of messed this kind of concept up. There is this... Uh, satirical website uh, called the Babylon Bee. And there's some funny headlines. Some of them I wouldn't necessarily endorse, but there are some funny ones uh, on this website, the Babylon Bee. One of the, the, the website came out with, and it's all you know, satire, so it's all jokes, funny, haha. One of the headlines was, Revival Breaks Out in Chicago this week. And it shows like pictures of people in front of Wrigley Field. And people are trying to break into churches because obviously miracles can happen if the Cubs won the World Series. People were praising Jesus, and so it's all satire, okay? So one of the, the articles I, I picked up on was this one. It said, local Christians' cover is blown. Salem, Oregon, local man Christopher Dalton had for years been successfully masquerading it as just an ordinary secular American, reportedly had his cover blown as a friend spotted his Bible carelessly left out on the kitchen table and figured out that this man was, in fact, a Christian, Bom, bom, bom. Dalton reported Tuesday that he had hidden his true identity from nearly all of his acquaintances and his friends and his co-workers and those living in his neighborhood. He went about his daily life without offering any evidence that would betray his inner faith in Jesus Christ. But somewhere along the way, we've kind of picked up that kind of mentality that we should kind of blend in and we're not supposed to be different. In fact, different is hard for us. Uh, one of my children who will be nameless uh, this week, there was field day at school. I don't know if you had field day uh, at your school, but the kids had field day t-shirts. Well, this child woke up and we could not find the field day t-shirt, okay? So it was like, it's like code red. The whole house was searching up and down for this t-shirt that we knew had been purchased. And the, the thing that kept being blurted out was, I'm going to be the only one that doesn't have a shirt. Thankfully, the shirt was found, and a happy dance was, uh, was performed. Uh, it, everyone was happy. We found the shirt. Now everyone can look the same. But that's our, kind of our goal. But, but that's not what Peter is talking about here. He's saying we're called to be, we're called to be different. We're called to be different. Now, another good question to ask when you're looking at scripture is, where is it being written? Where is sometimes very important? Like Paul, sometimes he would write some of his letters from prison. Think about that. And, and, and we ask the question, well, where was Peter when he wrote this letter to strangers and foreigners and aliens? And, and if we dig deeply, you'll find out in 1 Peter 5, 13, that he says this. It's, it's very odd. He says, basically, I'm writing from Babylon. 
Now, if you ask good questions, if you do good detective work, you'll realize that there really isn't a Babylon at that time. There's not a city that he wouldn't have been there when he wrote that. He is writing in code language during those days. Code language to the people that would receive it. Now, Babylon, Babylon, what would have tripped in the minds of the people that would receive it? You've got to go back in history. You've got to think history. Why would he have said that? Now, if you go back, you think about the people of God, the chosen people of God, Israel. Remember, they were in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt, and God rescued them. He brought them through the Red Sea. He brought them through the desert to this promised land, this Canaan, this promised land. And, and, and what God would say to them is this, I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. And when people see you out in the world, you're my holy chosen people. They're going to see you, and they're going to be drawn to you, and thus be drawn to me. And they're going to want what you have, and you're going to be a light out into the world. That's what God intended for with his people. But of course, what happens? People are people, and they start to, to, to turn away from God, and they said, well, we don't want you, God, as much as we want to be like everybody else. We want a king. Give us a king, God. And when they wanted this king, God said, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't want a king. I know you think you want a king, but you don't, because kings, they'll do something. They'll take your kids and force them to, to serve in, in, in their, his army, They'll take your money, that's called taxes, and uh, they'll take your money and they'll, they'll pay for their kingdom. You don't want a king, but finally he said, if that's what you want, you can have it. And what happened? Kings led them in all the wrong direction. And so finally God allowed them to be taken into exile. And where were they in exile? They were taken from their homeland into exile, into this place called Babylon. And in Babylon, Babylon, I just when I think Babylon, I think Darth Vader Boom, 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 boom. I mean, Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar comes, and he takes the people out of the, the, their homeland, and he basically tries to indoctrinate the people of God into the culture of Babylon. And in Babylon, there's a few things that you just need to know. That in Babylon, there's some, some trademark things that they were known for, that, that to be successful, you need to have money and power and wealth. That's what basically was God at that time. There were all kinds of gods. They were polytheistic. They would serve King Nebuchadnezzar, but also mostly the God of self. And with that came this great desire, and this, the number one thing was to feel good. And so there was this sexual, sensual culture that was all about pleasure and seeking that first as a barometer. And there was always this focus on the exterior and the things that others could see and marvel at and be jealous and envious of. And they were trying to indoctrinate them in this culture. So there was this fear that when these people were taken into Babylon, the fear was this, that, that people were going to begin to basically kind of be brainwashed into culture and, and say maybe one day when, when God takes us to the homeland, back to the homeland, maybe we won't want to go back. Maybe we won't, won't go to back. So there's these great stories that come out of that time. You know these stories. Daniel. You remember Daniel? They said, you can't pray. You cannot pray. You can only basically bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel said, I, I, I'm one of God's chosen, chosen people, his holy people. I've got to pray. I can't not pray. And so he would still, as he would do before, pray to God. And what did they do? They threw him into a lion's den. But God shut the mouths of lions. And we know him today because of it. And people became Christ followers because of that. What happened? These three Hebrews' children Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
King Nebuchadnezzar, the king, the emperor, said, you must bow down. We're going to play this music. You're going to bow down and worship. And what did they do? We can't. We are God's chosen people. He is our God, and we are his people. We can't bow down to this king. We won't. So they decided to, well, we're going to take you and throw you into a fiery furnace. But what happened? God was there. God was there, and he rescued them, and people's lives were changed. These are the stories that were celebrated. These are the stories that we celebrate because there are people living in exile as God's people. Now, I got to tell you, in exile, it's tough because it's all about waiting. And we're not very good at waiting, are we? We can't stand to wait. Uh, in fact, I, have you noticed that we, it, was it like March this year when they put out the Christmas stuff? Uh, it, I mean, it feels like, was it the beginning of October was the official Christmas? I mean, it gets earlier. We, we don't like to wait to December. Let's just, let's just keep backing it up. Let's keep on backing up. We, we hate to wait. So waiting's hard, and they waited and waited, but years go by. And if you fast forward into history a little bit, there's another emperor that comes in. Boom, 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 boom. This is Rome, okay? Rome. Fast forward when Peter is talking, and he, in code language, instead of saying Babylon, or instead of saying Rome, he means Babylon. And now there's a new king. It's not King Nebuchadnezzar. It's Caesar. And everyone needs to bow down and worship Caesar in Rome. And this is the culture and the place where the people are living. And you're never going to guess what the characteristics of Rome are. They are power and wealth and money and worshiping all kinds of gods. But the number one god is, is me. And, and they seek pleasure, especially sexual and sensual pleasure, and anything that makes them feel good in the moment. And they're focusing on the exterior all the time. This is what Rome looked like. And what Peter is saying is this. Now, Back then, God spoke in the Old Testament specifically to Israel about being his chosen people. But now he's saying this, the floodgates are wide open. Who are God's chosen people? Paul talks about this. He says, for you all are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all of you who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile or slave or free or male or female. For all of you who are in Christ Jesus, now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. It's in Galatians. What is he saying? He's saying this. If you put your faith in Christ, you are a holy, chosen people living out into the, in the world as aliens and strangers not in our homeland. Are you catching up? Are you catching this? So what does Paul write? You know that verse probably in Philippians. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. We are waiting a Savior from our homeland. His name is Christ Jesus. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? Now, here is a great time for me to, to mention something I think is really important. I love America, okay? I love America. Like when I was a kid, I grew up and I remember going, I think it was like a, I want to say it was like a, a day school and uh, that we had like a puffy paint shirt project where you had to make a puffy paint shirt. Have you ever made one of those before? It was horrible. But I remember, because I am no artist, uh, but I remember what my puffy paint shirt was made of that day. It was 
Lee Greenwood's song, I'm Proud to Be an American. You know that song. That's the only song I know of Lee Greenwood's. He's the only one I think he's ever done that anyone knows. Uh, there you go. And, and I made this picture of America with like the words of the song around it. I was like, yeah, go. When there is an American sporting event on TV, I am as go America as you possibly can be. I'm like the Olympics. I mean, if it's rugby, if it's if there were like two fishes swimming in a in a, a, a guppy pond, I would be pulling for the one with the red, white, and blue. It's just like internally ingrained in me. Okay, I, I watched. Uh, I, I was with Geraldo once at an event, and Geraldo, Pastor Geraldo, is from Brazil, and I found that Brazil's playing the United States, and soccer. I was like, Geraldo, we got to watch this together. It's going to be awesome. Go USA, go Brazil, woohoo! And, uh, of course, we got destroyed. Uh, four to one in soccer, I think. It was several years ago. And, and Geraldo, halfway through, was asleep, okay, uh, through this thing. Because he doesn't really like soccer. He likes MMA, which is really strange. But you can tease him about that. I love, I love the U.S., and I, I have to just, I would be remiss not to mention the only way that we can celebrate Tuesday and the fact that we have the freedom to vote is because of what we're celebrating on Friday, which is Veterans Day. And I am so thankful. We live in a blessed country, okay? I love my country. Love, 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 love my country. But can I tell you something? America is not the promised land. Are you with me? We, in America, this isn't the promised land. This is what God, is not God's promise in, in the future for us. We are living as aliens and strangers. If your citizenship is in heaven, we live as foreigners in even our, our home country where we live. Now, here's something even crazier, and I don't have time to get into this today, but the next I would, I would put down is, I love my family. I'm a Hawkins, through and through. And I could talk about that for a while. But there's something that Jesus says to us. That one day, Jesus, somebody came up to him and, and, and said something about his, his mother and, and his family. And he said this. He said, who are my mothers, my brothers? And what does he say? The ones who do my father's will in heaven. You know how you, have you ever gotten brothered or sister before at church? Hey, brother Joseph, hey, brother Mary, sister Mary, or that's where we get that from. We're part of the, this great big family. We're part of something bigger that's even greater than the bloodlines of our families. So even above that, if we are citizens of heaven, is my king. My king, Jesus. And his kingdom, and his values, and his ways, they affect the way I live with my family, the way that I live in this country, and they even affect, and I know you don't want me to go there this morning, they affect my politics as well. They affect all of it, because I have kingdom values, and I want more than anything to serve the king, and it goes before all of those other things. Are you with me today? So, and, I, and I, just to add on, the order matter, matters, folks. And so the question I've asked this week is this. Do my life values, do my characteristics, do they line up with the king? 
Do they line up with the king? Do yours line up with the king? And the thing that we're going to be asking in this series is this question. How do we as aliens and strangers in this world live in a place that's not our home as citizens of the kingdom? Now, here's another tip for you. As you're digging into God's word, okay, there's this thing, and you probably remember this maybe from school or or whatever, called cross-referencing, okay? When you take a word or a phrase or a verse or something that sticks out to you and you cross-reference, where have I heard that other places of the Bible, okay? Now, in this specific place, it's very fascinating. Now, this is, I'm kind of getting to pastor talk now, preacher talk. There is this Greek word there, and I know you don't care what it is, but there's a Greek word there, the one for foreigners and strangers and aliens. That word, it's only used and in one other place in the New Testament. When you see that kind of thing, you just go, light bulb, light bulb, light bulb. I mean, this is important. I mean, it's used in 1 Peter, but there's one other place in Scripture. So hold your finger in 1 Peter. Flip over to Hebrews. Go over to Hebrews. Now, we don't know exactly who the, the author of Hebrews is, but he writes something that's extremely fascinating. He, he writes this, and it's an amazing chapter. I could just read this chapter and be done. It's so powerful. But I'm going to uh, jump into one spot. Hebrews 11, 13 through 16, it says this. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for that country they came from, they could have gone back, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So, I mean, it's like they were just like melted minds as they wrote these two things about these places. And the question that I asked, I circled the word they. Who was the they? Who was that they agreed that they were? And that's a good question to ask. If we go back to the beginning of the chapter, you're probably familiar with this chapter. It's called the Great Faith Chapter. And it says this. Now, faith, this is verse 1 and 11, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Another version, I think, says something like this. It's confidence that what we believe will actually happen. It's confidence and belief that what we believe and what we hope for will actually happen. Christians, characteristics of Christians back to the beginning, are people of faith. They're people of faith. Now, we operate on faith all the time, even when you don't even think about it. You operate on faith when you get on Amazon because you don't want to go to Toys R Us. And you buy something on Amazon, you pay your money, and you, by faith, believe but that's going to show up to your house in, depending on if you have Amazon Prime, uh, so many days, two days, all right? Or now I think like Amazon just works that it like drops from the heavens. You just order it, and for an extra $10, it'll like show up in your hand, okay? But it's confidence and faith that that's going to happen. Now, here's my Cubs illustration, okay? Uh, you knew it was coming. The thing that I've loved and I've, I've seen uh, throughout this, this, <laughs> this time, one thing happened. Uh, we were down three to one in the series, and I know you're bored by this, but we're three to one down in the series, and we get ready to go. To, it's just dead silence in the house, and, and Melanie starts to sing a song, and I'm not going to sing it for you, but I'm just down, and I'm out. I don't know if we're going to, you know, 108 years, people, 108 years. It's not going to happen. I'm depressed, and she starts singing the song, Don't Stop Believing. <laughs> don't Stop, yeah, that's a, that is an that's an amazing wife. Uh, don't stop believing. 
don't stop believing. Now, there are, are, are people, as the, the whole Cubs thing, man, it would be easy for them to stop believing after so many years, right? And I love the stories of like, did you see the story about the guy that went to the gravesite and listened to the game with his, his, I think it was his dad? Like those who had gone before, and it's been cool, as, uh, 20 years in, it, that's nothing compared to what some people have experienced as, as a fan. And just to see that like tears and rejoicing and, and happiness over this event, something they'd hoped for and longed for. Five million people showed up at the parade, people. All right, five million people just hoping and longing. And that's what I was thinking about as I'm reading this passage of, of all those people that have gone before us in faith. All these people who, and this is what this faith chapter is all about. By faith, they talk about Abraham and Moses and Moses' mama and people who had acted on faith and done things. Abraham. God said, go, I'm going I'm to make you a great nation. Go to away from your homeland and I will be with you. Moses, I want you to lead my people. Noah, by faith, Noah. And it talks about Noah going before us. Now, Noah, I've got to be honest, it's kind of that weird kid story. I'm not sure why we, I love the story of Noah, but it's a little, when you think about the whole like drowning of the world part of that story, it kind of feels more like the Titanic than like some other kind of thing. But there's Noah, why do we celebrate Noah? Because by faith, in the middle of a world where everything was dark, there was one family that was faithful. There was one family that stayed true to God. That's why we celebrate the story of Noah and others that lived by faith and practiced their faith out. I love the story. I don't know if you know the story of Enoch, but Enoch walked with God, and he was so close to God that it just says one day he just disappeared. It was almost like he was walking with God and just Walked to heaven one day. This is one we don't really mention a lot. But Enoch, living by faith. It goes on, Hebrews 11, 35, and 38. There were so many others that experienced persecution in the world. Persecution. And, and as Peter is writing, he's talking to people who are persecuted as, as Christians in the world during the first century there. He says this, there were others who were, who were tortured, refusing to be released so they might gain an even better resurrection so faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. I love this next line. The world was not worthy of them. The world was not worthy of them. Have you ever known somebody that this world was not worthy of, someone that was so close to Christ, that so embodied the values of the kingdom. May it be said about us that the world wasn't worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. And something I noticed about these people, they were fearless as Christians. They faced, it all, faced all kinds of persecution. You saw it sawed in half. There's stories of the first century where Christians were fed to lions because of their faith, not recanting, not being afraid, but stepping up for their faith and saying, I will not turn my back. You can, you can throw me to a lion, you can throw me to whoever. There was a pagan doctor that would have to go into the arena and, and to care for the bodies of, of Christians that were in those situations. And this is a quote from him. He said this, 
For fearlessness of death and hereafter is something we witness in them every day. Christians were fearless. They were fearless. And when persecution came, they didn't run, they didn't hide, they didn't whimper away in, in, in fear. That's what I've noticed about Christians, especially then, is that we should always be looking forward and being hopeful in anticipation, not looking back and being fearful and being fearful. So Hebrews 12.1, if you keep going, it says this, therefore, when you, another tip, if you ever see a therefore in scripture, you ask, well, why is it, is it there for? And so you look back and say, all these people of faith, because of all these people of faith, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a, a great cloud of witnesses, this is what we should do today. This is our, our word for today. This is, as Christians today, this is what we should do. We should hide and we should whine. And we should complain, and we should hoard our resources just in case, and we should put our Bibles in a drawer, and we should build bomb shelters, and we should purchase ammunition, and we should blame the president, and blame the teachers, and blame the mamas. Demand our rights, and tax the rich, and play it safe, and find somebody to to sue, and take back our country, and pray Jesus returns, so we don't have to suffer. Doesn't say that, does it? Anybody else? Have their toes stepped on there? And I feel like my toes have been stepped on all week. Because it doesn't say that. And yet that's what it feels like that we've experienced in this last year. I didn't think I was getting amens there. It really doesn't say that if you have your Bibles with us. It says something different and we'll get there. That's who we've been. Now, there's this writer, C.S. Lewis, and he writes this book. It's a powerful book, Screwtape Letters, and it's this interaction between a head demon, it's it's fictional, between a head demon and a a lower demon. And this lower demon is assigned to a a, a person on earth to try to to keep them away from the kingdom, to keep them away from from God and from from Christ. This is an interaction from, from wormwood, from Wormwood to from his uncle Screwtape, the, the header, the older demon. Be sure that the patient remains completely fixated on politics, arguments, political gossip, and obsessing on the faults of people they have never met. It serves as an excellent distraction from advancing in personal personal virtue or character and the things the patient can control. Make sure to keep the patient in a constant state of angst and frustration and general disdain towards the rest of the human race in order to avoid any kind of charity or inner peace from further developing. Ensure the patient continues to believe that the problem is out there in the broken system rather than recognizing that there is a problem with himself. Keep up the good work, Uncle Screwtape. Can I be honest? I sat in this room a couple of days ago and we had a missionary from Thailand come in and from Burma And he talked about how Christians and missionaries are going around the world spreading the gospel, going to places that have never been, that have never heard the good news before. He told a story that we were kind of cringing at as someone who was sharing God as a a foreigner, an alien in a place that's not his home and talking about the kingdom of God and citizenship in another place. They cut his tongue out and he died. And we're scared to death about the things that are happening around us. Folks, we don't know anything about persecution. 
I wonder what God has thought of our prayers. I wonder what it would be like if someone, a Christian from Syria or Iraq, who is a, a Christ follower in the world, in those places, if they heard us talk in the last year. I know this is a terrible illustration, but this is the one that's come to mind. I rode the bus in high school. And I'd ride the bus home. I didn't, ever, I didn't have a car until I was a junior in, in college. Um, and so I'd ride the bus. My junior year, especially, I was thinking of this story. I would look over into the parking lot, and I would see the kids that would drive like BMWs and nice cars. And the th- thoughts that would go into my, my mind were, I bet they haven't worked a day in their life. They're driving that car. I don't know if you've had that conversation in your head before. Uh, I, I bet they haven't worked a day in their life. And I remember this one kid, Ben, in a bin in his BMW, and I just would just something inside of me toward, toward Ben. And I thought about Ben this week. I wonder if he ever would gotten his gotten to his car. And I wonder if he ever said, God, this BMW is okay. Is there any way I can have a Mercedes? I wonder if he could bless me even more. I wonder if, if God thinks that about us and the way that we pray. I know it's tough to hear, tough to, to receive from me this week. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by all of those who have come before us by faith, and we see these examples, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. If we are going to be these people that God has called us to be, if we are going to be Christ followers, people that follow Jesus' example, in the world and in this place, let us throw off the sin that, that easily entangles us and, and, and weighs us down and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on blank. Now, I think you know what the word is there, don't you? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now, something to consider today. Is it possible within the last, we'll call it a year or so, or maybe you've been doing this for most of your life, you fixed your eyes on the wrong things, believing and hoping that they would bring fulfillment and life. Maybe we go back to, to Rome and to, to Babylon, and we think, what are those things that, that drag the people down there, this, this focus on on greed and wealth and pleasure and pleasure first and self and all of these things. Fix your eyes instead on Christ. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Align our hearts and our way to him. Now why, last question, why would would Peter write this letter when you're digging around? He's saying to us, not just then, but to us now, as Christ followers in this generation, as strangers and aliens and foreigners in a place that's not our home, as people that are looking forward, not back. Oh, I wish that it could be like. I wish that it could be like. Look forward. Stop looking to our left. Stop looking to our right for hope. Start looking to different places of hope. Look at one place and one place only, and that is in Christ Jesus. And when we fix our eyes on him, we look more and more like him. The light in our lives begin to shine even brighter and brighter and brighter. And people notice there's something different about them. 
Why do you have this hope in the midst of the chaos and the, and the craziness we've seen? Why does your life shine differently than others? People will notice that you are like him. And it says this. It says, then you will not grow weary and you will not lose heart. And I think those two phrases have hit us right on the head these last few months. There's a lot of folks that I know that have grown weary and have lost heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus. It's a great uh, pastor. I think he's in, 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 in Dallas, uh, Tony Evans. And he did a, uh, a sermon on, on politics and in faith. And uh, this is a clip uh, from that sermon. I think he, he probably says what I was trying to say in 35 minutes and two minutes. So see what Pastor Tony says. Amen. That's good stuff. If you would, bow your heads real quick. Just feel led to ask you this question. Who or what have you been putting your faith and trust in? What have you been fixing your eyes on? Can I invite you today? I don't care if this is your first day in church or you've been here all your life. I invite you to fix your eyes and your gaze and your focus on Christ Jesus. He will transform you from the inside out. He will give you full life. He can forgive your sins and your past right here, right now. The burdens of sin can be taken away right here in this place if you would just ask. If you would just place your trust in Him. You would follow Him. And right here in this place, He can transform your citizenship to this place, this world, to a place that's far greater. Where there are no, there are no more tears, there are, is no more brokenness, and there is no more hurt. And we are there for eternity. Not for 50 years, not for 70 years, not for whatever years you have on this earth. Eternity. God, Lord, I pray for, for, for folks around this room, God. Lord, I pray that as they are they're calling out to you, calling out for forgiveness, calling out for your grace, calling out just for focus in the midst of, of chaos, in the midst of Babylon that we live in. God, I pray that our eyes would be centered on you this, this day, this week. God, I pray for the person that wants to transform further citizenship to an eternal kingdom to serve the king. Lord, thank you that it's as easy as asking today. God, we thank you for your grace and mercy and that none of us are perfect, but we serve a perfect king that is here to, to, to represent us and to serve us and to, to live this life with us today. Lord, we lift up all these prayers in your name. And everyone said... Amen.